morning, honorable members. I now call this first sitting of the 29th meeting of the first session of the 12th legislature of the House of Assembly of the Turks and Caicos Islands to be held on Tuesday, 26 July 2022 at the H.J. Robinson High School Auditorium, North Baxalina, Grand Turk, to order. Honorable members, I now call on our chaplain, Bishop Kalita Williams, to pray for the assembly. Joshua chapter 1. Now you and all these people go across the Jordan into the land that I have given to the Israelites. I promised Moses that I would give you this land so that I will give you every place you go in this land. All the land from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north will be yours. All the land from the great river, the river Euphrates, in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west will be yours. To include the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to defeat you all your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua, be strong and brave. You must lead these people so they can take possession of the land that I have promised their father I would give them. Be strong and be brave. Eternal Father, you bow in reverence to your name, your faithfulness, the steadfast Lord for us. We thank you, Lord, for safely delivering us to this place, this place that you have created for the leadership of this nation to lead your people. We pray, Lord, as we gather in this place today that you grant wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We pray that you be with our speaker as he directs us today. We pray for wisdom for our premier, for the leader, the opposition, all members of this honorable house. Lord, as we discuss and deliberate, we pray, Lord, that your presence will be with us. We thank you, Lord, for our clocks and those in the technical room that is airing this around the country. Lord, let your will be done. Cause all things to be done in decency and order. Bless this house and bless this country. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Honorable Premier. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, colleagues. Good morning to our visitors in the gallery. 
Good morning, Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Standing Order 131, sorry, pursuant to Standing Order 130, I move that Standing Order 12 be suspended to allow this Honorable House to sit beyond the 6 p.m. hour. Do I have a second? Second. Honorable Members, motion moved by the Honorable Premier, seconded by the Honorable Deputy Premier, that this Honorable House sits beyond the 6 p.m. hour. All in favor say aye. To all to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Honorable Premier. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Standing Order 49, I wish to rearrange the business of this House, this Honorable House, so that the government business can have precedence over all the other business. In that regard, Mr. Speaker, I move that item number 10, reports from committee, be taken as item number 4. Item number 11, first reading of bills, be taken as item number 5, and item number 16, orders of the day, be taken as item number 6. And also, Mr. Speaker, yeah, the reports are short, so that's fine. Item number 10, reports from committee to be taken as, as item number 4. Uh, item number 11, as I said, the first reading of the bills could be taken as number item number 5. Item number 16, orders of the day to be taken as item number 6. And Mr. Speaker, I also move pursuant to standing order number 95 uh, that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2223 Bill number 3-2022 be allowed to go through all three readings within this meeting on the basis of our well-established convention relating to money bills, but also so that we could get the uh, stimulus uh, money into the hands of our people. Do I have a seconder? Second. Honorable, mem Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Premier, seconded by the Honorable Deputy Premier that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2022-2023 Bill Number 3, 2022, go through all three readings at the sitting. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Thank you very much. Pretty seated. Honorable members, we'll now go back to the order paper. And we'll go to number 10 report from committees humble members will go back to the order paper number three on the order paper messages from his excellency the governor there are none and now we'll go to number 10 report from committees and we'll have the report from the appropriations committee on the first supplementary estimates 2022-2023 to be laid by the Honorable Chairman of the Appropriations Committee, Honorable Kyle Knowles. Sorry, Mr. Speaker. Uh, before we do, I was looking for a set of questions that I had submitted. Uh, I do not see them on the order paper. Uh, were they out of order or not in time? Can I have an explanation uh, why I don't see the questions on the order paper? On the Honorable Leader of the Opposition, I did see the questions, I did get the questions, and I believe that they were overlooked. Yeah, I believe they were, I believe they were overlooked. The, the clerk said she never received them. 
but I, I remember seeing them. Um, you did send them to me, so we would make certain that they get on the, the next city of the house. But they were all in order. Honorable Chairman. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, members. Good morning to those listening via radio and the internet. Mr. Speaker, I beg leave in accordance with Standing Order 128 to have the report of the Appropriations Committee on the first supplementary estimates 2022-2023 to be laid on the table and printed well question put. Do I have a second off? Honorable members, motion moved by the chairman of the Appropriations Committee and seconded by the honorable elected member for Blue Hills that the report of the Appropriations Committee on the first supplementary estimates 2022-2023 before be laid in this honorable house without questions put. All in favor say aye, all to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. <coughs> Honorable Chair. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Appropriations Committee met on Friday, 23rd of July, 2022, to examine the first supplementary estimates of, 20, of 2022-2023. Mr. Speaker, the committee heard from three ministries and after hearing from the various accounting officers and scrutinizing the estimates, the committee came up with the following findings and recommendations. The committee was informed that TCIG was able to afford the proposed stimulus package at about $13 million. Mr. Speaker, the reason for this is the current revenue streams are performing better than anticipated and performing at levels where TCIG can forecast can forecast or revise the estimates for certain revenue lines. So clearly, in layman's services, Speaker, and putting forth the stimulus, we can afford it. Mr. Speaker, the committee recommends the approval of the sum of the sum authorized from the consolidated fund of the sum not exceeding $13 million to, to be applied to the service of the financial year ending March 31st, 2023. Mr. Speaker, the committee acknowledged with deep gratitude all persons, officers appearing before the committee and those involved in the arrangements of the meeting. Therefore, Mr. Speaker, in accordance with Section 128.3 of the Turks and Caicos Islands Constitution Order 2011, I move that the report of the Appropriations Committee on the first supplementary estimates 2022-2023 be adopted. Do I have a second? Second. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Chairman of the Appropriations Committee and seconded by the Honorable Elected Member for the Bite that the report of the Appropriations Committee on the first supplementary estimates 2022-2023 be adopted. All in favor say aye, all to the contrary, no. The ayes have it. Thank you very much, honorable members. We'll now return to the order paper. And we'll now have the report for the administration committee on the policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development to be laid by the chairman of the administration committee, the honorable appointed member for the opposition. Good morning. Honorable Speaker, good morning, honorable colleagues. 
Good morning to fellow trucks and takers islanders wrestling via the internet and the radio. Mr. Speaker, I beg leave in accordance with Standing Order 128 to have the report from the Administration Committee on the review of the policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development be laid on the table and printed without question. Put. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Chairman of the Administration Committee and seconded by the Honorable Elected Member for the bike that the report of the Administration on the policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development be laid in this Honorable House without question put. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. <laughs> Honorable Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Administration Committee met over a period second to the third of February 2022 in review of the policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development. Mr. Speaker, the committee heard from the ministry and various departments and after hearing from the Permanent Secretary and various department heads, the committee came up with the following findings and recommendations. The committee is concerned that hearings held on 2nd and 3rd of February 2022, which the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development only appeared with two policies and the physical planning ordinance. The remaining policies were set to all be in draft stage, awaiting submission to cabinet for approval. The committee learned as of 20 of July, 2022, none of the policies were submitted to cabinet as yet. Mr. Speaker, the committee recommendations are as follows. The committee recommends that all necessary steps be taken to ensure that all departments within the ministry of PPID receive the necessary resources needed for the drafting and implementation of policies within the next quarter. The committee is concerned that a large number of key positions is vacant within the Ministry of PPID. The committee recommends that the salary scale within the Ministry of PPID be reviewed as a matter of priority and consideration be given to increasing the salaries within the range of salaries paid within the various industries. The committee is concerned that during the presentation made by the Ministry of PPID, a majority of the directors expressed their frustration in having limited or no resources to execute their duties effectively and efficiently. Mr. Speaker, the committee recommends that additional vehicles be provided for the physical planning department so that they can execute their duties efficiently. The committee also recommends that the director of estate management be based in Providence Alleys and the deputy director in Grand Turk. This would assist in the proper management of the majority of PCIG estates and janitorial staff based in Providence Alleys. Mr. Speaker, the committee also recommends that the Turks and Caicos Islands government through the Estates Department continue with the installation of surveillance cameras, cameras, sorry, cameras to TCIG buildings and have its own central surveillance center. The committee is officially informing 
the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development, through this Honorable House of Assembly, that a follow-up progress meeting will commence within six months from today. Acknowledgements, Mr. Speaker, the committee acknowledged with deep gratitude all persons, officers appearing before the committee and those involved in the arrangements of the meeting. Mr. Speaker, in accordance with Section 1283 of the Turks and Caicos Islands Constitution Order 2011, I move that the report of the Administration Committee on its review of the policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development be adopted. Do I have a seconder? Honorable Members, motion moved by the Honorable Chairman of the Administration Committee and seconded by the Honorable Governor's appointed member number two that the, re sorry, seconded by the Honorable Elected Member for South Caicos, that report from the Administration Committee on the Policies of the Ministry of Physical Planning and Infrastructure Development be adopted. All in favor say aye, all to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Freeman. Um, Speaker, I, I'm not, it's a, it's a, the report, there's no mention of the period that it was covered because I don't know that the administration committee mandate is to examine government policy. I think if you were to look at the, and I understand to be corrected, but if we go to the source document, which is the constitution, um, and I stand to be corrected, but I'm not sure it speaks to the policy. I don't know that the administration committee can like, examine the policy or question the policy of government. But I think the work of the administration is to examine a particular period within the operation of government to speak to whether the administration uh, of the ministry uh, meets the um, sort of the, the, the targets and operational procedures uh, are adequate um, uh, and whether there are any, any deficits in the way the, the ministry itself is being managed. Uh, and so I don't know that it's correct, whether it's correct to say the examination of the policy. Um, because, in fact, uh, the presentation by the chairman did mention that there were only two policies presented and there were other unfinished policies. He didn't say what those policies were that are being worked on. Um, so the benefit of the House and the public, I think it would be useful to know what the two policies that have been reviewed are and what the ones that are not that they've discovered that are still in progress, what they are. Um, the reason why it is important to look at the period is to ensure um, that um, the House and the people of the islands could be informed as to any, any, and any questions of mall administra administration uh, at all levels of government within the particular ministry 
question that is looked at and or decided. And so um, I know I know the the um, report has been presented, it's been moved, and it's now been accepted. But I just think uh, for the future, we need to make sure that we're we're examining the targets. Uh, our focus is on in the, in the right place. Thank you. Um, before you you move on, um, Honorable Premier, I'm looking at the um, ending orders, and on the uh, under administration committee, it says that this committee shall report on the implementation, administration and development of policies of government in every ministry. Right, implementation and the development. So what the policies are is not an issue for question, the implementation of those policies, but some of the references in terms of uh, salaries and all that stuff goes up without, beyond the ambit of the PPID, and and in fact those are determined in the House, and uh, through the through the um, Deputy Governor's office, uh, and so uh, to suggest that they need to be reviewed in terms of industry standards within the economy within the TCI would be uh, contrary to the salary scales set within the public service. Is that, that is the area uh, or the boundary or the criteria uh, under which public servants pay are, are developed. Um, so I think it's important to, I mean, my idea of issues of administration and policy relates to things like how do we deal with the works program and all those kinds of nitty-gritty um, sort of granular issues that the public would have an interest in. Um, and I'm, I'm only saying that for the, for the benefit of the future because the public, uh, sometimes, these things, the public not always aware of what the process should be. Right? And in fact, for those of us who are in government, who have been an executive, will realize that there's a huge misunderstanding in the public as to what ministers can do and not do. And I think it's part of our responsibility is to try to inform the public as to what is under the purview of ministers and what's under the purview of the administration itself. A minister or ministers cannot examine their own ministries. Uh, and that is the reason why we have the administrative committee, so that there's an independent set of eyes looking at what is put, obtaining within the ministry. And I believe uh, the administrative committee uh, in the past have not um, been as, as active as it ought to be. So I want to commend the administrative committee for the for their first meeting 
and would want to advise that they continue to look at the um, administration of the various ministries in a kind of organized way um, so that the public can be advised as to what what the what is happening um, in the in the ministries as it relates to the implementation of those policies but also the administration of the uh, of government particularly with reference also to targets that are established by ministries because we I know even though we debate these in the house around the budget time I think uh, they go unnoticed for the, for, the, for the rest of the year. And so what normally happens is that we see, we see uh, targets and KPIs being repeated almost verbatim uh, and sometimes without any indication as to whether or the level of achievement or outcome. So to me, uh, that's part of where I think the administration committee could be putting a, a more focus. Uh, that's, I know this is a report and it's not for debate, but I just thought I would make those comments. Thank you very much, Honorable Premier. Um, the Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for PPID. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good morning to everyone in the chamber, colleagues, those listening via Radio Turks and Caicos. Honorable Speaker, I want to thank the uh, Administration Committee for their review of our ministry and the six rec or eight recommendations that they have made in their report. We will report back to the House of Assembly and the timeline is advised. I believe it's six months that the committee has provided us to review some of the areas of concern that they have raised. And to say, Mr. Speaker, it is my most favorite person's birthday in the entire world, my sister Alexandria Misik, and to wish her a happy birthday. And with that said, let's get on with the business of the House. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Honorable Chair, do you want to make any further contribution to this, to this matter? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, um, in light of the... Um, issues raised by the Honorable Premier, Mr. Speaker, um, as regards to the departments that appear before the committee um, and were unable to produce any, any policies, um, these departments were uh, Department of Estate Management, Department of Housing, um, Housing Department, Department of Public Works. Um, the only the only department within the ministry that were able to produce a policy was the um, um, the planning department, and, and and for the benefit of the honorable premier, um, we we um, had the ministry and the departments appear before us in order to review the policy, and because of the fact that they did not have any policies, um, we could not go farther as to. Uh, the implementation of the policies and that they are not, um, they were necessary, there were any, um, any further uh, need or any changes to any of the policies because at the time these ministries um, did not have any um, policies that were 
in, in, in effect for, for the management of those departments. Uh, most of the ministries that appear before us have what was in the form of draft policies. Some of the departments say that they had the draft policies for over 20 years. So, so it has nothing to do with um, current administration. Um, it has to do as far back as um, previous administrations. And um, the, the administration committee mandate is to um, assist the government uh, of the day and um, trying to assure that, that, that the necessary policies for um, the overall management of these various departments are implemented so that the general public um, can have um, a better idea of what is expected when they go to these, these various departments for services. If there is no policies, um, that, that I believe that is what causes most of the confusion. Um, for the general public um, when they go to these various departments because there is no policies currently implemented or in place for the staff to, um, to follow. Um, and, and, and that is the mandate of the committee, mainly to um, assist the government and also by assisting the government, um, how give the public a better perspective as to what is expected of the departments when they go to these departments for, for services within the government. Thank, thank you, Mr. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. We will now return to the order paper, and we are now at the first reading of bills. We will have the first reading of the Supplementary Appropriations 2022-2023 Bill Number 3-2022 to be moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade. Honorable Deputy Premier, you may proceed. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I move that pursuant to standing order 90.4, the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2022-2023 Bill Number 3-2022 be read a first time. Do I have a second? Honorable Members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier and seconded by the Honorable Minister for PPID that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriations 2022-2023 Bill Number 3-2022 be read for a first time. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Madam Clerk. This ordinance may be cited as the supplementary appropriation 2022-2023, number three ordinance 2022, and comes into operation on the day of publication and the defense. Thank you very much, Madam Clerk. Honorable members, we are now at the orders of the day, and we'll now have the second reading of bills, and I now call on the Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance, Investment and Trade to proceed with the second reading of the Supplementary Appropriation 2022-2023, Number 3 Bill 2022. Honorable Deputy Premier. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Standing Order 92.2, 92.2, Point two, I move that the supplementary appropriations 2022-2023 bill number three, 2022 be read a second time. Do I have a second? Second. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier, seconded by the Honorable Minister for PPID, that the bill entitled supplementary appropriations 2022-2023 number three bill 2022 be read for a second time. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. The ayes have it. Honorable Deputy Premier. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, Speaker, uh, first of all, I would like to uh, to give my condolences to the um, the Minister of um, Tourism on the passing of a month. And I want to give my uh, condolences to anyone in the, uh, who's listening to the sound of my voice uh, on the passing of any one of them and any of their loved ones. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the members of this honorable house, the strangers in the gallery, uh, persons tuning in by radio, the radio Turks and Caicos, streaming media, my fellow Turks and Caicos Islanders, good morning. Morning. Mr. Speaker, following up from last week when I laid the first supplementary appropriations bill for fiscal year 2022-2023 in this honorable house, today I rise to table the same. Mr. Speaker, the purpose of this bill is to authorize a further issue of funds from the consolidated fund of a sum not exceeding $13 million, be by a variation, a variation by way of increase or reduction and reallocation of funds in the consolidated fund for the recurrent expenditure from the funds authorized by the appropriation 2022-2023 ordinance 2022. Mr. Speaker, after I laid this here first supplementary appropriations bill for financial year 2022-2023 last year, two interesting things happened. First, the chaplain of this honorable house told me in the dining hall how he was just that morning discussing with someone the exact same passage of scripture that I referenced in my presentation. What he was discussing, what he was discussing, and what I wanted to know, as a matter of fact, what Jesus, half-brother James, asked in chapter 2, verses 14 to 17 in the book of James, was, what good is it if people say that they have faith but do nothing to show it? Can just claiming to have faith save anyone? Specifically, Mr. Speaker, what I wanted to know, and as we are aware that there are some people in the Turks and Caicos Islands who are struggling to keep up with inflation and the rising cost of living, what good would it do if we as a government didn't actually help them? But simply said, go in peace. Find some cool shade and have a nice meal. What good would that do, Mr. Speaker? Mr. Speaker, the second thing that happened to me after my presentation was that the Honorable Minister of PPID said, uh, Mr. Minister of Finance, if you made that speech today, what will you have left for next week? Well, Mr. Speaker, for racket-keeping purposes, I want to point out that this is part two of that speech, and I'm going to title this one, TCIG versus Global Inflation carrying each other's burdens. Mr. Speaker, as you are aware, the TCI doesn't have a manufacturing economy. There's practically no manufacturing taking place here. Almost 100% of the items that we consume are imported. As a result, Mr. Speaker, we here in the TCI are experiencing what is referred to as 
imported inflation. Actually, I would say it's imported inflation plus. That is, we're experiencing the inflation of our largest trading partner, mainly the United States, plus an additional amount on top of that. And Mr. Speaker, according to the Pew Research Center analysis, inflation rates have doubled in 37 of 44 advanced economies over the past two years. That's 84, 84% of it. And it's not just the advanced economies, Mr. Speaker. As according to Carmen Reinhardt in her article, The Return of Global Inflation, today's inflationary surge is being felt also by the majority of emerging markets in developing economies. Specifically, Mr. Speaker, 78, 78 out of 109 emerging markets in developing economies are experiencing annual inflation rate above 5%. That's 72% of us. And here, countries like us. Mr. Speaker, Isabel Schellebel, a member of the executive board of the European Central Bank, stated in a speech on the 11th of May, 2022, that, and I quote, in April, that's April of this year, inflation in the Euro, that's the European Union, the Euro area is expected to have increased to a new record high of 7.5%, causing significant concerns among firms and households. A large part of the rise in inflation reflects the exceptional surge in energy prices. Over the past 12 months, she said, energy accounted on average for around half of total headline inflation. Because the euro area is a net import of energy, this surge in inflation is often refer referred to as imported inflation. End quote, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, do you see the parallels with the TCI? Like the EU, a large part of the rise in inflation here in the TCI is due to the exceptional surge in energy prices. In addition, Mr. Speaker, there's the issues of food price inflation. As during 2021, 12 month increases in food prices exceeded 5%, exceeded 5% and 79%, that's 86 out of the 109 emerging markets and developing economies. That's us again. Actually, in Latin America and the Caribbean, food and energy were the main contributors to inflation in 2021. And that's according to Carlos Jaramillo and Robert O'Brien in their article, Inflation, a rising threat to the poor and vulnerable in Latin America and the Caribbean. Mr. Speaker, last week, I touched on the effects of inflation on a number of countries around the world, particularly the United States, as it is our largest economic partner. Today, I will touch briefly on the main drivers of this current surge in inflation, as most of the growth in inflation that we're experiencing is due to imported inflation, and our primary source of market is the United States, and so I'll speak to specifically to the causes there. First, Mr. Speaker, strong demand and consumer spending is what's causing it. American consumers are spending big, big time. Early in the pandemic, U.S. households saved up funds as they were stuck at home, and the federal government
stimulus hold and put away even more money. With topped up bank accounts, families are spending on everything from vacations to cars to appliances and many more, Mr. Speaker. These are the American families. Mr. Speaker, second, there are too few goods on the global market. As families are taking their pandemic savings and trying to buy up everything, they are running into a problem. There are too few goods to go around. Factory shutdowns due to the COVID-19 pandemic, global shipping backlogs, and reduced production have resulted in supply shortages. As a result of demand outstripping the supply of goods, companies are charging more. As we would say, they're jacking up their prices. Third, China, the world's largest manufacturer of goods. China, the world's largest manufacturer of goods, have lockdowns. And their lockdowns have added to the global supply chain problems. At the same time, as we all know, the war between Russia and the Ukraine has resulted in a shortage in the world's supply of food and fuel. Together, these things are driving up the cost of products and services. Fourth, Mr. Speaker, there's service sector pressures. Americans have started shifting their spending away from physical things and towards experiences, driving up inflation in the service industries. Rents are climbing as Americans compete for a limited supply of apartments. Restaurant bills are heading higher as food and labor costs rise, and airline tickets and hotel rooms are increasing as more people travel, and, and as uh, actually also because fuel and labor are becoming more expensive. So, Mr. Speaker, from everything I have said so far, it is clear that there is very little that the Turks and Caicos Islands, uh, that the Turks and Caicos Islands government specifically, can do to reverse inflation as we do not have the corresponding levers to pull like, the, like a country as the United States has. However, however, Mr. Speaker, God has blessed us with the ability to carry each other's burdens. And that is exactly what this good, good government of the people will do today. And Mr. Speaker, for those persons who didn't think that we were going to do it, or who are questioning why we are doing it, or who are criticizing us for doing it, I say to them, the devil is a liar. For in Galatians chapter 6, verses 2, it says, Mr. Speaker, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Mr. Speaker, in March of this year, our government rolled out a 15 million relief package consisting of a 25% reduction in fuel tax, reducing it from 85 cents to 64 cents, along with a reduction in the customs processing fee from 7.5% to 5%. This anti-inflation initiative came on the heels of an approximately 7 million anti-inflation stimulus package which consisted of a payout of $500 to qualified Turks and Caicos Islanders 
and British overseas territory citizens living in the TCI. So, Mr. Speaker, the inflation and the rise in cost of living in the TCI is mirroring the same as in the United States. And as such, our government is acting with feverish haste to cushion their impact on the residents of the Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, our government wants people to live their best lives. And if we fail at that, and if we fail at that because of global inflation, we will fail trying. But I truly believe, Mr. Speaker, that we will overcome this as we are a blessed nation. So, Mr. Speaker, as I said last week, but I will say it again today, as it is, music to some people's ears, particularly the ears of the opposition's appointed member, this stimulus package will make available $12 billion for 12,000 Turks and Caicos Islanders and British Overseas Territory citizens living in the TCI. Each person will receive a one-off payout of $1,000 to help them with the increase in the cost of living. And Mr. Speaker, to he who said that, to the person who said that, I quote, to take taxpayers' money and give it to persons who don't really need it is a waste and should be decried by conscious and concerned people of our country. And father stated, if you really analyze the numbers, you would find that perhaps 15 to 20% of the stimulus recipients, I don't know where they got that number from, probably made up. They said, perhaps 15 to 20% of the stimulus recipients, me, as in the speaker included, don't really need it. I want to let him know that there is an easy fix to that problem, easier than the ones that he proposed. If there's a stimulus check at the Treasury with his name on it, all he has to do is leave it there, let it get stimulated. Today, the funds will remain with the government to be used for all the things that he thinks it can be used for. It's not a complicated thing, Mr. Speaker. If you don't need it, don't pick it up. Don't even apply for it. Mr. Speaker, I'm sure that everyone knows by now, but I'll reiterate it. To make it as easy as possible for persons to receive this new stimulus, if you are approved for the last stimulus, our government will automatically issue you a $1,000 check. The only action that you need to do is pick up the check from the Treasury. And, and we're going to give you six months to be able to pick up that check. And for those persons who, for whatever reason, didn't receive a payment during the last stimulus, they will be allowed to apply for this stimulus once the initial checks have started, uh, once the checks have started going up. In addition, Mr. Speaker, our government is also allocating a further $2 million to expand the works program, and this program is being managed by the Ministry of Physical Planning, Infrastructure and Development. Our government is also waiving the import duties and customs processing fees on the uh, basket of items for the period 1st of August to the 30th of November. And I said it in the last time we were here, but people kept on calling me up about it, uh, wanting to know it had questions, so I'm going to read it. Uh, I'm going to go over it again. The basket of items include rice, flour, grits, bread, spaghetti, 
uh, spaghetti and instant noodles, macaroni and cheese, corn flakes and other cereals, chicken, canned sausages, fresh and canned meats, cheese, evaporated milk, eggs, cooking oil, fruit, sugar, instant baby food and juices, water, cleaning supplies, disinfectants, adult and baby diapers, protein, nutritional shakes, and facial masks. And like I said, Mr. Speaker, if necessary, our government is prepared to expand this list or the exemption period. And I'm not saying that, Mr. Speaker, because cream of wheat and Red Bull is not on that list. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, I'm happy to report that due to the strong performance of our economy, I'd like to thank the Ministry of Finance, the PS, and her team all of the great work they've been doing in tracking the performance and uh, coming up with the recommendations to allow us to keep the economy going forth, uh, doing very well, our government will be funding this inflationary stimulus package from existing revenues. Meaning that we are not going to have to go into debt. We're not going to have to go into our sinking fund. We're not going to have to go into our rainy day fund. We're not going to have to go into the bank to pull this out. We're going to get this out of revenues. And we will achieve this by reducing the budgeted operating surplus from seven million to one million. And Mr. Speaker, based on quarter one, for those of you who, uh, who may not be in the accounting field, quarter one is April, May, and June, period, because our financial year starts at the 1st of April and ends March 30, the 1st of the next year. So based on the quarter, on quarter one of this year, financial performance of the country's revenues we have adjusted the revenue forecast for import duties and seaport departure tax, which are trending ahead of budget by approximately six million and one million, respectively. Mr. Speaker, we're also forecasting that full year revenue for financial year 2022-2023 will be favorable to budget by 2%, coming in at 402.7 million, versus a budget of 395.7 million. Uh, to fund the stimulus, we're increasing expenditure by approximately 3.3%, to 401.9 million versus a budget of 388.9 million. The operating surplus before financing activities is 823,000 and the planned net operating surplus is 1.09 million. So Mr. Speaker, as I did last week, I will wrap up by reminding us all of the words of Edmund Burke. I know favorite words of the leader of the opposition. He may want to even say it with me was taking it down last week, but I'll repeat it, Mr. Speaker, because I think it's relevant. Nobody, nobody makes a greater mistake than who, he who did nothing because he could only do a little. Even when it's a little, Mr. Speaker, even when it's a little that we can do, even when it's a little that we can do, Mr. Speaker, we will continue. We will continue to carry each other's burdens. And with that, Mr. Speaker, I now invite the House to debate the bill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Deputy Premier, um, for your contribution to this debate. The floor is now, Honorable Members, the floor is now open for debates on this bill. Are there any contributions? The chair recognizes the honorable opposition appointed member. Are you going to be representing the opposition in this matter? 
You have unlimited time, Honorable Mother. Yes. Good, good morning again, Mr. Speaker. Yes, Mr. Speaker, with um, leave of my Honorable Leader, um, he has um, permitted me to speak first on behalf of the opposition. Um, Mr. Speaker, I rise to make my contributions um, to the bill that's being debated on the floor this morning. And Mr. Speaker, let me say um, from the outset, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong, and there's, I see no reason why no government should not do whatever they can do to assist their people in the time of need, Mr. Speaker. Let me just put that out there. Mr. Speaker, um, my contributions to the first supplementary appropriation 2022-2023 bill, number three of 2023, Mr. Speaker, the government has submitted a bill for the purpose of providing a stimulus to TC Islanders and BOTC citizens to help ease the burden of the increase of the cost of living. While it is in fact, Mr. Speaker, that inflation is on the rise, the government approach, I say, towards assisting TC Islanders, Tux and Kings Islanders, could have been different. Mr. Speaker, there are many options that the government had at its disposal to help ease the burden of Tux and Kings Islanders due to the increase of the cost of living resulting from inflation. Mr. Speaker, the government is allocating some $16 million in stimulus payments able to qualify Turks and Caicos Islanders and BOTCs. However, there is no continuing plan for relief after advancing these, these amounts of, as the Minister of Finance said, $1,000 for each qualifying Turks and Caicos Islander and BOT citizen. But to speak up, there are no indication as to how long this will last. Inflation is driven by the increase in the cost of energy. When the cost of energy goes up, it drives up the cost of living. We have all seen huge increases in our electricity bills over the past two months. This is a direct result of the increase in oil, which increased the price of diesel, which powers the generators that produces electricity supplied by the electricity company, which we all know, Sportis TCI. This increase in cost by electricity company is then trickled down to consumers of electricity, such as supermarkets and other essential businesses. Mr. Speaker, the supermarkets then have to increase the price of food items on the shelves, which is then passed on to the consumers, the regular shopper that goes in there to buy their goods. And result being, Mr. Speaker, the overall cost of living goes up. Therefore, I'm not here to criticize the government, but to offer alternatives, Mr. Speaker, that would have made a much greater impact in the lives of Turks and Caicos Islanders, which would have been of much more benefit to the people and the country as a whole. Mr. Speaker, the first option would have been for the government to raise the taxes on cereal for quarters for a period of three months initially, and with a review for further extension at the end of that three-month period. This way, there could have been a direct reduce in the cost of energy, which would then have a positive effect on the overall cost of living, such as bringing down the cost of food items, etc. 
Mr. Speaker, while I support the government spending public funds to help ease the burden of Toxic Caicos Island in difficult times of hardship, I believe the $16 million could have been better utilized for improving the lives of Toxic Caicos Islanders. Mr. Speaker, it is a fact that Toxic Caicos Island is experiencing one of the strongest economies in the history of this country. As a result of such a strong economy, one would think that Toxic Caicos Islanders would be benefiting from the various industries that are driving the economy, such as real estate, construction, and of course, tourism. However, that's not the case, Mr. Speaker. Toxic Caicos Islanders are at home, can't get jobs or contracts, especially within the construction industry. Mr. Speaker, the Honorable Leader of the Opposition and myself has been advocating from the first day of the opening of this Honorable House to implement legislation and policies that can ensure that Chuck and Caicos Islanders have access to the main sectors that drive the economy. This has not been done, and as a result, our brothers and sisters, Chuck and Caicos Islanders, are not benefiting from the economy from this booming economy that we are now experiencing. Mr. Speaker, while I'm at it, let me just briefly touch on the issue of the electrical association. Mr. Speaker, I have firsthand knowledge of this of this of the situ ongoing situation. We are aware and legislation has been passed in this honorable house to empower the local TCI, TC Island electrician, Mr. Speaker. I am informed that there continue to be unlicensed electricians and work permit holders getting electrical contracts, which is contrary to the purpose of the legislation. Mr. Speaker, I am also reliably informed that the association gets no or little help from the ministry responsible. As a matter of fact, I am informed that instead of working with the association, the ministry works against the association. Mr. Speaker, that is a stepping stone for other industries, the construction industry, plumbing, for the government to get this right. If we can get this right, which is specifically geared to ensuring and empowering trucks and cakes of island electricians, how can we move forward with implementing legislation for the other industries, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, there's absolutely no reason why government need to be interfering with the electrical association. The legislation are there. Let them run the industry. They know what to do. They are the electricians. Why is government getting involved and interfering? Mr. Speaker, this, 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 is, this is crucial. This is crucial to what we are experiencing in this country now. It's things that are simple, there's a simple things like this, whereby the government can assist, the legislation idea, assist the electrical association to do whatever necessary to ensure that Turks and Caicos Islanders are the ones who are getting the electrical contracts. The chair recognizes the honorable premier. Honorable. Um, the honorable member 
made two statements. One is that the government is interfering, and then the other one is that uh, they should the electrical commission on electrical position needs assistance. Um, I would like for the honorable speaker to be more specific as to the accusation of interference and specifically what he is recommending in terms of assistance because I am unaware of the interference uh, aspect of, of what he's referring to. Honorable member? Um, what I've said is that I am reliably informed um, of these situations that you have mentioned. And, uh, and I, would, um, I, I would state um, for the record um, the issues that have been brought to my attention, um, whereby they are the association. We, what, what, we, what you have is that you have the Electrical Association, which is made up of a group of um, local electricians, local qualified electricians, and then that you have what's called the, um, um, I think it's the uh, elect electrical board that, that, that falls under the legislation and, 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 it, and it comes um, under the ministry. Uh, what, I am, what I will propose is to get rid of the electrical board completely. There's no need for the electrical board because the electrical board is mainly hindering the electrical association. So let's get rid of the electrical board. Have the electrical association be the ones responsible for monitoring um, the day-to-day -day, um, um, progress of that industry. They are the ones who are out there on the field. They are the ones who knows um, how the industry works. Let them be the ones be responsible. When someone needs to apply for a electrical license, they submit their electrical license application to the electrical association that is vetted by the electrical association. If they meet the qualifications, it is then forwarded on to the um, um, the revenue the revenue department for, for approval. It's the same thing with a with a with a work permit. If someone is applying for a if a if a, if a licensed electrical contractor is applying for a work permit for an electrician, they submit that first to the electrical association. The electrical association will be written vetted. Um, if it meets the requirements, then they send a letter in support of the application for the work permit. I believe these things are simple, but we just don't need to have a, an um, electrical board um, overseeing, interfering, and hindering um, the, 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 the process because all it's doing is, 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 is limiting the trucks and takers islanders who are to benefit from the industry. That, that, that is what it's doing. So that, that will be my suggestions in, in that regard, Honorable Premier. Um, moving on, moving on, Mr. Speaker, there are many other industries that, that trucks and takers islanders are not rightfully getting their share fare of the pie. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure the Honorable Premier and his, and his colleagues, the um, cabinet members, I'm sure you all, have, you, all have, you all are aware of this. You all have heard this many times. But this, these are facts. This is actually what is taking place in this country now. You know, we, it, we all know the country has a booming economy. There is lots of money out there in the private sector. Trucks and takers islands are not getting their share of the pie. We need to 
implement whatever we need to do, we need to do it now to ensure that toxic take violence get what they are rightfully entitled to. That is what we say. That's what we say. And, and, and I believe that, you know, uh, the stimulus is one thing, but the stimulus hasn't begun to address the issues, that are, to address the issues that toxic take violence are facing. So that is why when I get up, of course I support the government helping toxic take violence. That is the right thing to do. That is the right thing to do, but it is nowhere close to beginning, to the beginning of what needs to be done to truly empower Chucks and Caicos Islanders. That is what, this is what we need to see. We need to see legislation, we need to see policies that will truly empower Chucks and Caicos Islanders. That is not what's happening. And that is what we need for the government of today to start doing. We don't want to wait until two years' time to vote in PDM. That's not the solution. The solution is to tackle the problem now, fix the problem now. Okay? So, um, the issue with the stimulus, as I've already um, pointed out, um, is that I believe that there could have been other routes whereby the $16 million could have been spent that in the long run, they would have better benefit Turks and Caicos Islanders. One will be, if we get $16 million, we could have um, put more money into the um, ME fund, whereby we could have had it, whereby Turks and Caicos Islanders businesses could have had access to more money. We, we, we should make it easier for them to access that money, whereby they can improve their businesses and whereby they can compete in the current market. The, 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 the economy is strong. The economy is strong, but we need our local businesses to, to be able to compete within the, within the current market. So, so we take a portion of that $16 million and, and, and we create a fund for mainly Chops and Caicos Island businesses to have access to this money to improve their current business that we have and also for new entrepreneurs to start up businesses, number one. Number two, there are people that are sincerely going through hard times. And there are people who can get by. And to give everybody the $1,000, I don't believe it was necessary. I believe, again, we should have created a fund, $5 million or whatever. This fund is mainly for people to apply. You have certain qualifying guidelines. You apply for that. And you can, you can get payments from that monthly until your situation change. But for the people who sincerely need the money, and that could have been an ongoing, that, that could, that's something that's ongoing for the next six months. Those people could apply for that, and that would be able to ease their burden. Like, like I say, I'm not going to criticize. I can't criticize. The government for giving everybody $1,000. But what I'm saying is that I believe that it could have been better utilized and better spent um, um, that will have made an impact on Chucks and Kickers Island lives. Instead of giving um, BOTC citizens $1,000, you could have given those Chucks and Kickers Islands that really needed three or $4,000. Um, you know, that, that, that's, basically, that's basically what I'm saying. Now, now Mr. Speaker, um, as, as I've already um, stated, that we need to find a way now 
we must find a way now whereby we can ensure that trucks and cakes islanders are truly benefiting from this economy that we are now experiencing. That is crucial, and that is what the government needs to focus on now. Okay, you give them the $1,000, fine and dandy. Now, let's get to work. Let's get to work to ensure that we, whatever legislation needs to be amended, whatever policies need to be implemented, let's get to work to do it to ensure that our people are getting their fair share of what our economy is producing. And with that, Mr. Speaker, that concludes my contribution. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for PPID. Ever grateful to you, Mr. Speaker. Again, good morning to our Honorable Members in the House of Assembly, everyone that's logged in via Radio Turks and Caicos or live stream, our strangers in the galleries, and since it's her birthday, happy birthday to Alexandria Mystic once again, Mr. Speaker. I stand to lend my support from the Ministry of PPID and the amazing people of Leeward and Long Bay who give me an opportunity to stand in this chamber to champion causes on their behalf and to serve the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands in this capacity. Mr. Speaker, I had no intention of speaking this early, but given that I am also the Acting Minister for Home Affairs during this week, I think it's prudent to follow on from the comments from my learned colleague opposite me as they're related to the Electricity Board. Because, Mr. Speaker, what we would not want to leave this chamber in our contributions today is any misunderstanding. And as one who believes that this chamber is to be used to provide an opportunity to educate our wider populace, to assist members in understanding the legislation that governs this territory, that governs us, I will take this opportunity. So, Mr. Speaker, in the Ministry of Home Affairs, through the Electrical Utilities Department and the Electricities Ordinance, there is the creation of what is called the Establishment of the Electricity Board. The board is made up of a chairman, permanent secretary, director of planning, the Energy and Utilities Commissioner, and three members appointed by the minister. The minister's members include a representative from the Turks and Caicos Islands Community College and two other members from the association known as the Electrical Contractors Association. Meetings of the board is a minimum of four times a year, but if work does produce itself that they need to meet more frequently, they are able to do so by special meeting by the chair. The purpose and function of the board is to issue, revoke, vary licenses in respect of all categories of persons carrying out electrical work in the islands, conduct or arrange training and examinations for potential electrical licensees and to show that there's a register upkept and shared with the Department of Planning and any other work necessary. Mr. Speaker, the reason why I took the moment to kind of go through that is I do not agree with my learned friend that the industry should only govern itself. My learned friend and I are governed by legislation as attorneys at law here in these islands, which is the Legal Professions Ordinance, which provides a framework in which the organization is established and the ability for the organization to operate and self-discipline. Sorry. No, I don't. Uh, 
um, to, to provide a level of self-discipline and communication, etc., under guidelines provided by her ladyship, the Chief Justice, or any Chief Justice at that time. Further to this, I was a member of this House of Assembly in a different capacity as the Deputy Premier and Minister of Education when the association lobbied the then Minister of Government Support Services where the Electricity and Utilities Department was a, a member of that ministry asking for an electrical board to be created and to have two members of the association on the board. So while the honorable member is reliably informed, sometimes, Mr. Speaker, we have to consider the source of this reliable information as to whether it is reliable or not. The request was made. The government of the day acknowledged the request, acquiesced to the request, put in the necessary framework. Now, if personalities have changed over the years, that is not a reason to disband the border or amend the legislation. That is a reason to move personalities that may be stumbling blocks in the process of the association's work and that of the board. So I, I'll leave that there, Mr. Speaker. As I said, I only touch on it as the Acting Minister of Home Affairs to which this responsibility would lend to me. Moving on to contributions by the Minister of Finance and Deputy Premier, it is acknowledged in the supplementary appropriation that the Ministry of PPID will be receiving an extra $2 million to take our total works budget program up to $3 million. As a result of that increase, Mr. Speaker, the team has conducted the necessary work and scoping that they have been doing over the last few months, few weeks since our original budget has passed in order to ensure that we are in a ability to carry out the work that need to be done. Mr. Speaker, I must stress, and I must stress to all those that are hearing me, and if any of the media partners pick up on these comments, they are not written, should not read a speech in a debate, and so I have not prepared a speech text in this regard. The process in which to bid and obtain government contracts through the Ministry of PPID is as follows. You must register as a valid contractor in a category that is provided for in the business license ordinance, whether that is petty at the fee of $150, small, I think that's $300, medium, the price goes up to maybe $2,500, Mr. Speaker, in large contractor, the price of $4,500. We must acknowledge that this administration, Mr. Speaker, has placed a moratorium on any new construction licenses being issued in these islands to non-Turks and Caicos Islanders. That was done in a bid to ensure that as we review this industry, which is our second largest industry and may take over our general tourism revenue income due to the vast level of construction, that is, honorable member, if you could turn my colleague's mic off. Grateful, I'm hearing an echo. Grateful. Vast level of construction that I see as the Minister of Planning, Mr. Speaker. Just two days ago, I received a set of plans for a $30 million home. $30 million, and that wasn't the first time that I've seen plans that has priced a home at that rate. Mr. Speaker, it shows that there is an interest and investment in these islands, and persons are not just building hotels, but they are building vast properties to which we as Turks and Caicos Islanders 
can perform the work for and has been given an opportunity through the reduction and, and moratorium of large business licenses being granted to non-Turks and Caicos Islanders. It is a first step, Mr. Speaker, and a bigger step is on its way. But I ask the contracting members of the general public who have met with me to organize themselves, Mr. Speaker. Just as the Electrical Association organized themselves, put themselves in a position to speak coherently and evidence-based to government to present what sort of legislative framework that they believe will assist them in meeting their goals and objectives in building their businesses, because it is not for government to just stick its hand in and interfere. So once they are assembled, Mr. Speaker, we are prepared to come to this House of Assembly and do the work that they require us to do. And we've had several meetings with them. We've had promises of documents to be shared. We've had there will be an election, there will be an appointment. I have followed up personally in this regard, Mr. Speaker. The Minister of Immigration, during a period of time that I was off the island, went around and had stakeholder meetings with persons in the industry and the bold decision discussion point is you have to assemble so that we could stand on a mountaintop to celebrate and provide an opportunity for you so i hope they take that advantage but back to the works program mr speaker once you are registered with the department of pwd the public works department and your district commissioner's office in the various islands you will then have an email notification. You have to have a valid email address. There are over 300 registered contractors, and we do not have sufficient employees and team members to call all 300 of you and say, we are tendering X, Y, Z. So please test your email address. If you need help, come to the office. We will put it in the system and test it to make sure you're able to receive our notification. After that, Mr. Speaker, the public works team, albeit we have not had a quantity surveyor for the last almost 24 months now, we have tried to use private quantity surveyors to assist us in pricing and scoping the work because as government, these are TCI G's funds, taxpayers' funds, there must be transparency in the system and pricing out the work. We have had delays with that, but the small team have done the best that they can with pricing out the work. Once that is done, a notice will go to all registered contractors in our database. It will normally give you seven days to prepare your bid. In the email, Mr. Speaker, you are provided with the following document. The work order that is requested, a short form contract, a page to identify that you have not colluded with anyone in the department, the ministry, anyone in TCIG, or any third party, as well as sample forms that are highlighted very neatly so you would know delete John Doe and put in Akira Missing. Then you print one set of those documents Stick it in an envelope, drop it in the big boxes we have across the island. If you are tech savvy and have access to a scanner, you scan in the documents with a cover letter and re return it to the email address. 
On receipt and deadline for the submissions, Mr. Speaker, the public works team, which would vary, and we have been able to rely on colleagues from other ministries because the load is so heavy. Our panel will then be assembled of a minimum of three people, but normally it's four persons. They will review every submission against the work that has been presented. They would then look at our internal numbers, whether provided by the third party or internally, and they will compare the bid and the technical evaluation criteria and the other point system against the bid. Whoever has the best number of points at the end of the review will be the successful awardee of the contract. Mr. Speaker, it cannot get any more transparent than that. We are not relying on one person to know you, to say, okay, I like the speaker, let me give him a contract. No, there is a system in place and it is one that can stand up to the test of our auditing requirements as well as the good government procedures that govern us as members of cabinet. And so we want to encourage those parties who are interested in bidding on government work to follow these steps so that they're not at a disadvantage and moving forward. And uh, with the $3 million, what we are seeking to do over the last few weeks, I had the opportunity to actually work in South Caicos for a few days, Mr. Speaker, with my PW team member, Mr. Thomas. We went through the island along with the Deputy Speaker and identifying various projects that we want to do in terms of the Kong Ground cleanup campaign that we are launching. The team again today on the airplane, one of our team members was headed to South Caicos to do the finalized work. We've met with the AG's chambers as we reviewed the development agreement for one of the properties there in South Caicos to ensure that government is not going above and beyond what legally government has agreed to do since 2006 or 2007. Now that we have a course and a plan in place, we are looking forward to launching the South Caicos massive work cleanup campaign, as well as refurbishments to the Kunk Ground Bay area and time for Fisherman's Day, which I believe is August 27th next month. We will continue to do this type of work. The next stop for the team is the Twin Islands, where we will work with our officers there, take a few more of the guys from the office in Provo. We will be in the islands for a minimum of three days so that, again, we could go around, identify, speak to the community, and achieve the common goals that we have in beautifying our communities. I have to say thank you to the PWD team in Provo and Grand Turk, as they have not stopped. If you would see them on the morning at 5 a.m., they're out there surveying the roads. They're out there identifying the major infrastructure upgrades to our road network, that we are awaiting the final report for the master plan, the transportation master plan, so that we can execute the refurbishment of Leeward Highway, the possible expansion of it, the edging works and remediation works that needs to happen to Millennium Highway, and finally make a decision on how best we can connect five keys to Providenciales without going through the five keys bypass road. So there's a great deal of work that the team in Provo have undertaken. We've actually had to have a team member from Grand Turk stationed in Provo for a few months because of the load of work that the structural engineer and the engineering team is underway. So the addition of this $2 million... Thank you, Honorable Member. So the addition of this $2 million will create more work 
for my very, 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 very tiny team, but they acknowledge that this is a way that they can help their brothers and sisters, us collectively, Turks and Caicos Islanders, help us who traverse the roadways, who live in our respective communities, to partner on work that could happen in the Wheeling area, and the Blue Hills area, and the Bight area, and Cheshire Hall. We've spoken about South Caicos. We've spoken about the Twin Islands, five keys. Make sure that we're able to touch all the communities with effective, efficient work that will benefit the lives of the persons who live in their communities, but create some semblance of jobs. But again, I want to stress to the contractors, the amount of work it takes the team to prepare a $2,000 contract is the same amount of work it takes the team to prepare a $70,000 contract. And so the team, being as short staffed as they are, are going to focus on the higher value contract from about 30000 and up. So again, contractors who are not familiar with bidding at that level, you are invited to come to our offices, our PWD offices, and we will advise you on the forms, the right business license, et cetera, that you need. As the program is to assist you, but you have to first assist yourself by being able to benefit from the program. I'm not going to touch MSME because I know my brother colleague to my left, the DP, will speak to that and possibly the Premier, as I know there's a lot of work that is happening in that arena and funding is always available and we have not had an opportunity to draw down on all the funding for it and so we want to encourage more Turks and Caicos Islander business to work their way forward in that regard. Otherwise, Mr. Speaker, I lend my holistic support to the bill before us today. I am open to answer any questions in the committee, bearing in mind I'm holding two ministries today, but I believe it's just PPID that has some funding that's been moved around, so we're prepared to answer that when the time comes. So with that said, Mr. Speaker, good afternoon to you, good afternoon, colleagues, and once again, good afternoon to the people of Leeward and Long Bay. And happy birthday, Alex. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for Immigration. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, it's so good to be back in this house after absence of two sessions. Mr. Speaker, two sitting, sorry, Mr. Speaker. To God be the glory, great things. He has done. Mr. Speaker, being that God is so great, and as he is inspired man, Mr. Speaker, God has inspired the Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, by inspiring the Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, he has also inspired us in the cabinet. Mr. Speaker, I listened to the member from the opposition. I agree with him on one thing when he said that the PDM is not the answer. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, I thank the Minister for PPID and I thank the Minister for Finance and that $2 million in works program because I know the people of the Twin Islands would be grateful. And talking with the Twin Islands, Mr. Speaker, I'll be going to Mill on Friday to help the people of Mill Caicos to 
sort out how to get these contracts because we have to get a piece of this pie as well. Mr. Speaker, the, 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 the opposition appointed member, he alluded to the $1,000 that the government is giving out. And he supported Mr. Speaker. As I assume everyone here will support that. But Mr. Speaker, he then went on and listened to this, all of the things that this government is doing. The Minister of Finance put it out there. From corn being straight down to sardine, the bread and everything else. Mr. Speaker, this is a good start. Mr. Speaker, we ain't finished yet. You know, Mr. Speaker, the member talk about we should have gone to Fortis and, and, and tip. didn't charge Fortis any tax. Mr. Speaker, I don't know which country the member's living in. I always sit at this house. Fortis don't pay a tax. Mr. Speaker, just a couple of months before then, we turn around and we give. Mr. Speaker, I raise the, the chair. The chair recognizes the honorable opposition appointed member. Yes, Mr. Speaker, raise the point of clarification. What is, what is your point of order? A point of clarification, Mr. Speaker. Um, at no time did I say that um, the government should speak to Fortis about tax. I say fuel, tax on fuel. That's what the government should waive. And, 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 and so specifically to Fortis, raise the fuel tax for Fortis. Yeah. Thank you very much. Honorable, Honorable Minister, please proceed. Mr. Speaker, again, I don't know where this member is living in. You first don't pay for your tax. So, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker Honorable, Honorable Minister, please proceed. Mr. Speaker, again, Mr. Speaker, the member continue, continue on these things, Mr. Speaker. Just months before then, we gave a $15 million, and the Minister of Finance will correct me if I'm wrong, $15 million on, on uh, reducing the CPF in, in, in this country and reducing uh, the tax on general country fuel. Mr. Speaker, we did that, and I'm raising my hand up and saying we did that. But, but, but Mr. Speaker, I, we're not sure that the people, the people got the, the benefit from that. So, Mr. Speaker, when they put this money in people's pocket, they'll be able to go and pay $200 down a light bill, they'll be able to go to the food store, put $200 there, and we'll be able to spread that $1,000 over for five cents, Mr. Speaker, by spending $200. So, Mr. Mr. Speaker, nobody in this right mind in this country will think a thousand dollars will solve the problem. But, Mr. Speaker, it is a help. And that's what this government is all about in helping the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands. Mr. Speaker, I don't have much to say more than that. I thank you, and God bless you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for the bike. Good morning, good morning, Mr. Speaker. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I rise to make my contribution to the supplementary, the bill that we're here to discuss this morning. But, Mr. Speaker, before I do, to my 
lovely stepdaughter, Alexandra Mizik. A happy, happy, happy birthday. You know I love you. And I do hope you have an enjoyable day. Take some day off. Take the day off from work because you're always working. So you can find an excuse to say to do something. But take the day off. And yeah. Uh, Mr. Speaker, um, before I go on, uh, Mr. Speaker, um, Mr. Speaker, my colleague to my left, to my right, sorry, governor's appointed. Mr. Speaker, uh, the opposition appointed. Uh, opposition appointed to my right. Mr. Speaker, he, he confused me. I love him as a friend, a colleague, and he knows that, but Mr. Speaker, he confused me. And why I say he confused me, he got up when he started, he all in favor of giving the money. So if you're in favor of something, why are you going to go on and drag out and debate a big long something about something that you agree with? To me, it don't make sense. I'm no lawyer, but it don't make sense. If I agree, I agree. If I agree, I tell you, well, I agree from the beginning, and I tell you why I don't agree. But he went on and he talked about this, and uh, like my honorable uh, member from North stated, um, something similar to to Fortis. But Mr. Speaker, um, he said also said that the government should give three months. Three months tax um, for fuel versus giving the thousand dollars. We needed we needed already agree with the thousand dollars. So, Mr. Speaker, that was very confusing to me. But nevertheless, Mr. Speaker, alternative. Well, what is alternative? Anyway, Mr. Speaker, I'm for the thousand dollars because um, a lot of people already explained to me when they get their thousand dollars how they can spend that. You put PC on PC on PC on until you have, it helps you to catch up and you still got something left in your pocket. But Mr. Speaker, um, I, whatever I'm going to say pertaining to my constituents, um, I would leave that for hopefully a two-minute speech, uh, speech that we will get. But Mr. Speaker, I rise to support this, um, this supplementary. Mr. Speaker, when we look at the performance of the appropriation, um, what the appropriation committee uh, made mention of for April to June, the performance that was done um, April to June with the estimate. Mr. Speaker, that's like over $13 million. Mr. Speaker, that means we are doing very good. And I can see the reason why everybody should get $1,000. Mr. Speaker, I praise the Appropriation Committee for their report, and I really don't want to be the one to prolong the printing of these checks so people can go and get their money. Mr. Speaker, people are waiting to get this money in their hand. This is their money, and they want it now. Yeah, they want it now. All right, good. Um, Mr. Speaker, this money couldn't have come in a much better time like now. We talk about the rising of inflation here locally. We talk about people getting stuck with overhead bills. But we all know this thing. If you pay a little piece on something, it prolongs you a little longer. Right? Um, Mr. Speaker, 
This government, my government, has always seek and find ways of helping our people from time we came to power. Mr. Speaker, this is just another way of assisting and giving our people another helping hand so they can have a start. You agree to it. Mr. Speaker, I am in full support of Turks and Caicos Islanders getting this check because I know this is a government, a kind government, and a considerate government for the people. So to my members, my colleagues, let's not drag this stuff out so long, because the longer we take, I guess the longer it will take to print before the checks are printed. Uh, Mr. Speaker, all of my members, colleagues, let us get this money in the hands of the people. They got six months so they can, so they can select it. And also, and, uh, no, no, <laughs> and also, uh, Mr. Speaker, um, I wanted to say something to my honorable colleague, my honorable minister of tourism, but I'll leave that for my two minutes as well. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Let's give people their money. Thank you very much, honorable member, for your contribution. The chair recognizes the honorable governor's appointed member. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Um, good morning, colleagues. Good morning to the persons in the gallery. And good morning to the entire Trucks and Caicos Islands. Um, and Mr. Speaker, before I begin, I would like to convey my um, sympathies to my sister colleague, the Honorable, um, sorry, the Minister for um, tourism and her entire family on the loss of their mother, but I would particularly like to um, convey my condolences. That one I think sent a shockwave through Turks and Caicos on Sunday morning when we learned of the death of, um, by gun violence, of Justin Backles. He's a resident of South Caicos um, who just re he himself had just recently lost his mother, and um, I. I I, I, don't, I just don't understand the senseless killings, but, you know, I would just end with that part of it there because, you know, it's still, uh, still it's, it's in police hands and it has to be investigated. But, you know, I, I would like to convey my condolences to that family. Mr. Speaker, today I rise to, in full support of the, the um, bill before us, the Supplementary Appropriations Bill. I want to call it the STEMI Bill. Thank you, Uncle Washi. Um, and today I'm wearing today I'm wearing my green because today is Money Tuesday, right? <laughs> um, Mr. Speaker, we we are aware. I think all of us in this chamber we are fully aware of the ills of this country and that there are persons among us who are having some hardships, particularly in these times where we have everything, the cost of everything is, is basically going up. And I think um, the intention of this government isn't to give a, a $1,000 stimulus in, you know, in hopes of remedying the problem, because that's not, that's not the, the issue. That is just to help you in the times that we're in now. And I think there are persons in the public and persons in the opposition and some of their supporters who misunderstand that. Um, but I would say that this administration has 
and the year and a half that we came to office address most of the social ills that we have in this country. And we've made recommendations and fixing them. But um, the appointed member for the opposition, I honestly thought today he would get here to, he would, he would rise to apologize to this government because I could remember we spent a considerable amount of time trying to find this video where somebody, it was alleged that somebody said something about giving the people of Tucson and Caicos $2,000. So I thought that he honestly was going to stand to apologize. But since he didn't, that's okay. Since you didn't, let me remind you, it's not 2,000 no more. We did this one, two, three times. It ain't 2,000. We passed the 2,000. It is now $2,500 that the people of Turks and Caicos Islands will receive in their pockets to help them in these times. Mr. Speaker, I had a conversation with a, with a friend who was telling me about one of his friends who said to him that, um, you know, I have... I have um, children that I'm getting ready for back to school, and I don't know where this money is coming from. And when we had the press conference, and it was announced that, this, that the, um, we were going to get a next, speak, um, um, a next stimulus, that person called back and he said, well, thank you to Uncle Washi and the team, because now I can get my children ready for school, because in my household I'm going to have about $6,000 alone for my stimulus. And, you know, that is, that is how we have to think about this. Um, so... I'm happy that that has, that is, um, that it's going to help the persons who, who really need it. Mr. Speaker, um, I agree with my colleague, the Minister of, of, um, Immigration, because I don't, I don't think that the opposition lives here. I, I really don't. I really don't think they live here sometimes. Um, because he made mention about, um, he made mention about something about, um, um, the stimulus going to BOTCs and whatnot. And I, and I do get offended sometimes when we talk about BOTCs because we have to understand that BOTCs is our people, right? They are our people. But it's better to give the BOTC a stimulus than to give it to work permit holders because that was that's what happened under the last administration. He has to understand that it was given to work permit holders when there were Turks and Caicos Islanders who never received one. And... The MSME, the, the MSME program, he made some mention of that as well and what we could do more to help local businesses and whatnot. And I have a little bit of statistics here. 2017, I said this before, in the House 2017, 2018, this is under the, the former administration, there were 12 persons, 12 local businesses that got support. 2018 to 2019, 24. 2019 to, to 20, to 2020, there were 19 businesses that were helped. 2020 to 2021, 11. In our first year, Mr. Speaker, in our first year in government, there were 33 businesses, local businesses that were helped. That, that, is a, that, that, that number is the largest of the full history of the former administration. And I don't know what the statistics is now, but I'm sure it has gone past the 33 um, persons. So I, I'm not going to be long. Um, I, I'm going to wrap up because, you know, I, I, I fully, there's nothing more I can say about, you know, the whole stimulus. I think it's a good thing. It's going to help the persons that really need it. And let's just get the money in Turks and Caicos people's hands. We need we need to get that out as soon as we can. So I'm not going to delay that. And thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the, uh, the governess, the Honorable Governess, appointed member number one.
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, good morning um, to everyone. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning to those listening to us and read away and to those in the gallery. Speaker, first allow me to express my condolences to the Honorable Minister of Tourism and to her family. I will say a bit more in my two-minute speech. The speaker, I will be brief, as I know a lot of people are listening and tuning and waiting to get their stimulus check as soon as possible. The speaker, what I want to add is um, ask the Minister of Finance and his team, if it's possible, to consider um, direct deposits of these stimulus, if only to civil servants, as this will release the, um, the long line that we will experience, um, as we did in previous distribution of stimulus checks. I think if we can find a way to make some direct deposits, this will go a long way in relieving the long lines, especially in this heat. We are facing 98 degrees, and we don't want any uh, casualties arising from this heat. Or what could be a good thing could turn out to be ugly for some person. So let's see if we can do that, if possible, Honorable Minister. Also, Honorable Minister, I, I received a few phone calls from persons who were not able to get their check for some reason or the other. So I am grateful to have learned this morning that those persons will have an opportunity to apply. So if, if it could be announced the date when the portal is going to be open, that would be great. I'm sure a lot of persons will be glad to know that they're going to have an opportunity to apply. So, Mr. Speaker, all on the last item, on the works program, uh, excellent move on increasing the funding available, and I wish to see that the wealth gets spread throughout the archipelago of our island, so from Solki all the way down to Providenciales, we want to see the works program benefit our people in any way possible. But then, Mr. Speaker, I support this bill, and let's get on with the people's work. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for Health. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, members of the House, strangers in the gallery, gallery those listening on RTC and viewing via social media. I would like to wish those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries a happy birthday and happy anniversaries. I also would like to give my condolences to the Smith family, especially our Minister of Tourism, and all those that have lost loved ones recently. Mr. Speaker, I rise to support this supplementary bill, a good bill. Some might say a great bill by the people's good, good government. Mr. Speaker, there is a saying that while the grass is growing, the horse is starving. While many before us, let me repeat that, while many before us believe that this status quo is fine, this premier, this minister of finance, this good 14 to 1 team sought a wisdom in ensuring that we fed the people while the grass is growing. Mr. Speaker, not only are we appropriating $12 million for an inflation stimulus, we are appropriating an additional $2 million for the works program to put more people to work. 
Also, revenue is being foregone to be able to eliminate the CPF on a number of breadbasket items to ease the burden on our people from inflation, inflated grocery bills. Mr. Speaker, many years now, successive governments have boasted about surplus after surplus. Isn't it right for the people who are the reason we are doing so well to get a little back? Mr. Speaker, I mentioned the grass is growing. Mr. Speaker, these are initiatives that will have long-term benefits to the people of this country implemented and about to be implemented by this government. I will list a few. Number one, free tuition at the TCICC for Turks and Caicos Islanders this coming fall term. Number, <laughs> number two, we've updated the homeowners and stamp duty policies to make it easier and cheaper for persons to own homes and buy land. Number three, the minimum wage study is ongoing and will be concluded in short order. Number four, we have updates to the MSME program on which I'm sure the Minister of Finance will give more details later, which will significantly increase the funding for grants and technical assistance. Mr. Speaker, land ownership and housing policies are on the way. Mr. Speaker, this, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The Calvary is coming. Mr. Speaker, if you want to empower a man or woman, and I'm, I'm disappointed the opposition's appointed member decided to step out in the middle of this part of my speech, but you can check the recording. If you want to empower a man or woman, you educate them, which we are doing. You provide them access to capital, which we are doing. And you give them access to land, which we will do long in advance of this term ending. In conclusion, Mr. Speaker, the country is growing and the people's good, good government is putting policies in place to empower our people. But in the interim, where we can provide some easement for our people, we will. Because, Mr. Speaker, we are a caring government that will do what it takes for our people. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for South Caicos. Good morning, Mr. Speaker. Good morning, colleagues. And a pleasant good morning to those in the gallery and to the wider trucks in Caicos Islands. Good afternoon, brother. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Mr. Speaker, I want to, first of all, uh, lend my support to this, this bill. This bill provides an opportunity for the government to alleviate um, the stresses that many families are experiencing at this time, as you've already heard um, from, from other members. Let me pause here to offer my condolences to uh, the Honorable Minister for Tourism and her family on the loss of, of their loved one and also to um, extend condolences to the Beckles family and also the Cox family of South Caicos, having lost uh, that young man who was a very, very promising young man, very talented, and had a great future ahead of him. So unfortunate to, to learn of his demise, and um, the whole community of South Caicos, I believe, is mourning 
his laws. He was a very likable person. But I want to support this, this initiative, Mr. Speaker, that the government is, has proposed and is about to, to, to launch. Uh, as I said, it will be a relief to many, many families that are going through stresses at this time. But I also want to register my appreciation to the Premier for the vision uh, of conceiving such a vision to continue to reach out and touch the lives of people and touch the lives of the communities and homes in this country through these stimulus uh, initiatives. I also want to give my thanks to, express my thanks to the Minister, Deputy Premier and Minister for Finance for putting this package together. But uh, Mr. Speaker, I want to say thank you. I want to say, I want to say thank you to the Minister for PPID for her visit to South Caicos recently and for what she has outlined here today um, that is coming for South Caicos. Uh, South Caicos for, for, for a while was neglected by the former administration. Since we came to power, a number of things have started to fall into place. We are now seeing the completion of an airport terminal building. We are now seeing the, the, um, the completion of a ports project, upgrading and redeveloping the port. We've also seen um, a project that is already approved for the dredging out of the Little Heartless Canal. And this canal will relieve um, water from the land in the event that there's a storm or heavy rainfall. We're also learning that a contract has been awarded for uh, rebuilding of the airport perimeter fence. This was something, this was a sore note for many, many years. Since 2017, this fence was, was broken down and animals were crossing the runway. And before a plane took off or land, um, so security had to go out and ensure that the runway was cleared. And so this is a welcome, this is a welcome initiative, knowing that this fence is going to be restored. Um, and Mr. Speaker, further, I want to, to, uh, say thank you to the Minister for Infrastructure on announcing the restoration or the reinitiation of the relief or the, the COVID relief program, the WORKS program. Many people were asking whether this program was going to come back on stream. Um, also to, to, to say thank you for our announcement of the redevelopment of the Kangang Bay area in South Africa. Kang Ground Bay has been an area that has been like a sore, a sore thumb for the community of South Africa. Um, it, it needs much attention. And thank you to the minister for having the vision to, to do something about that. Um, and so, and, and, and to, to reassure us that this is not going to be something in the pipeline, like we hear sometimes, the minister has indicated that works will begin in the Kang Ground Bay area in preparation for Fisherman's Day, which is on August 27th, which means that I believe they're going to get started tomorrow. Uh, there you go. So this, this is good news for the community of South Caicos. The people of South Caicos, I believe, are elated, not just about the, the relief check that are coming, but about the works that are headed towards South Caicos in the near, 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 near future. So Mr. Speaker, I believe this is good news for South Caicos. I believe we can now expect Great things to be happening for South So thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to my colleague. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Minister for Tourism. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I rise to give my contribution in respect of the Supplementary Appropriation Bill. I am in support of the Supplementary Appropriation Bill, Mr. Speaker, and I can confidently say that the one million that is being reallocated will not negatively impact the project to set up a DMO and a regulatory authority. Mr. Speaker, you might remember that at the annual budget presentation earlier this year, I indicated that in an effort to manage the funding that was allocated, we prepared payments which are in holding so that we would not lose the funding. Payment for the DMO is scheduled in stages and is made on the successful completion of each stage of the project. The one million was budgeted to address any unforeseen risks such as possible rescoping, late delivery, or possible recruitment of additional special specialities. Additionally, some of the transition costs were also addressed, were also being addressed. Mr. Speaker, we are now completing the first stage and are awaiting the final structure, governance models and financial models. We do not envisage that we will tap into the one million at this time and think it is more prudent that these funds are reallocated until a later date when the final reports are submitted. We are entering stage two, Mr. Speaker, in the development of the legislative and governance documents to support the structure as well as the transitioning of staff and rules from the tourist board. This will not prevent the positive pro this will not prevent the positive progression of this project and as indicated will allow for the alternative use of these funds while the project continues. Mr. Speaker, I would like to reinforce that the Turks and Caicos Islands government has a clear vision to find the right path in the tourism industry. The tourism industry is vital for the country's economy. And as already stated by the government in the past, this vision includes the development of a destination management organization and a tourism regulatory authority to replace the current Turks and Caicos Islands tourist board structure. These changes in the organization and management of tourism in Turks and Caicos Islands aim to improve destination competitiveness and increase stakeholder synergy through the efficient marketing and management of the Turks and Caicos Islands destination while working in close partnership with the private sector. The government of the Turks and Caicos Islands has also organized an 11-member DMO Advisory Working Committee. The representatives on this committee come with a range of industry sectors, including the Hotel Association, the Taxi Association, as well as other organizations. We have chosen Target Euro as the company that will help us to make these changes and improve our tourism offering through three main stages of activities, which will be completed by February 2023. The first stage was to conceptualize and design the organizational and financial models of the DMO and the TRA starting with the transition process of the tourist board staff to the new institution. 
The second stage will be focused on drafting the legislation for the entities. And the third stage will consist in the definition of the country's new tourism development strategy. Mr. Speaker, the plan for the tourist industry is on track, and we believe that once completed, it will enhance our most important industry. Mr. Speaker, on a personal note, I would just like to say thank you to the many people who have called me and my family, my family and I, since the death of my loving mother, Rupin Smith. I want to say that your words of commiseration and support means so much to me. And um, I love my mother. She was my good buddy. She was not only my mother, she was my friend. She was my hairdresser. She was my lawyer. She was everything to me. I would also like to extend condolences to Edith Cox and her family. And I would say to them, may God continue to keep you in strength. And I know it's not easy, but my prayers are with you and your family. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for Wheeland. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm just going to be brief. Um, like all of my colleagues before me, um, wanting to offer my condolences to Honorable Connolly and our family. Um, and Mr. Speaker, I do rise to support this bill um, because, Mr. Speaker, I think this is what a responsible government would do. You know, when persons are in need, you know, this is when you chip in, you know. And speaking for the wider constituency of Wheeland, I think, Mr. Speaker, this will be greatly appreciated. Understand, understanding the dynamics and the diversity of my community, we have so many families today, Mr. Speaker, who will benefit significantly from this from this stimulus, um, from this upcoming stimulus. So with that, Mr. Speaker, um, kudos to, to my government and to those persons who will be receiving it. You know, make sure that you utilize it wisely. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Governor elected me appointed member number two. Good afternoon, Mr. Speaker, members of Parliament, persons in the gallery, and those tuning in via radio or live stream. Mr. Speaker, I stand here to support the supplementary bill, Appropriations 2022-23, bill number three, 2022. But before I start, Mr. Speaker, I want to extend my sincere condolences to Honorable Connolly, the Minister of Tourism, who lost her dear mother over the weekend. Mr. Speaker, I want on Connolly to know, oh, <laughs> the Tourism to know, that I am blessed seeing the beautiful relationship she had with her mother. On a couple occasions, I was riding with the Minister of Tourism, and she stopped in a store to pick up something or to do something. And the next thing you know, oh, I got to pick this up for my mother. I admire her. I admire the relationship between her and her mother. 
there is no one quite like your mother. My prayer for Minister of Tourism and her family is that she may find comfort in the great memories of her mother and may the peace of God be with all of you during this difficult time. Mr. Speaker, I want to thank the government for the recent relief offer to its citizen by way of the cost of living stimulus check and increase in duty concession. This is welcome as we all are impacted by the rise of inflation globally. Mr. Speaker, just a quick report. Um, several months ago, I addressed the need to expedite the process of obtaining a police racket for all persons living in the Turks and Caicos Island. Mr. Speaker, I had the opportunity to speak with the Deputy Commissioner of Police, who assured me that his department is working on addressing the backlog and delay in, in reference to obtain a police racket. Mr. Speaker, I was assured that the long, long, long wait for the payment of the police racket, the long wait for a receipt to be generated, and the long, long wait to collect the police racket shall soon be, be, a, be a thing of the past within the next four weeks. I was advised that the law enforcement department is working diligently to resolve this long process. Mr. Speaker, the police department is aware that the delay in receiving the police racket in a timely manner is prohibiting the public is getting work permits, renewal on time, naturalizations, residency permit, PRC, employment and driving li driver's license, and for, tra for travel and more, etc. Mr. Speaker, we will see more human capital invested in the department and we shall see a large office uh, to accommodate the public in the coming months, as far as the police racket concerns. Mr. Speaker, again, I stand here today to support this bill. And Mr. Speaker, let us put our proof, sorry, thank you again for your time and may God continue to bless the Turks and Caicos Island. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for Blue Hills. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to my colleagues in this Honorable House, persons in the gallery, uh, persons listening by radio, watching by Facebook, social media, and a special good afternoon to the people of Blue Hills, the 8th District. I take a moment, Mr. Speaker, to convey, and I'll join my colleagues and convey sympathies and condolences to those who have lost loved ones. Um, the Smith family, the Pratt family, the Lyburn family, the family of Mr. Justin Dackle. May the hope of heaven give you peace and the tender touch of God bring you comfort. Mr. Speaker, in supporting the bill, it's summertime, the heat is on, it's hot. Some of us have on more than one fan, some of us are running the AC more than usual. The kids are home from school, and all of that bundled together increases costs. Also, with that, food costs are on the rise. 
In this moment in time, as I speak, it reminds me of a song we listened to back in the 80s. It says, I don't have much of a voice to sing, but it's, it's like, the bill collectors at my door, what can you do for me? No romance, but finance. But Mr. Speaker, this good government is showing both the love for its people and a check with that, which will be of great help in the situations highlighted, and even just in time to assist with the back-to-school costs. Mr. Speaker, as the member of this House representing the 8th District Blue Hills, I bundle my support and hand it to this bill. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. The Chair recognizes the Honorable Elected Member for Cheshire Hall and Richmond Hill. Good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon, Mr. Speaker. Good afternoon, Turks and Caicos. Good afternoon, Honorable House. I also share and giving my condolences to the Honorable Member, our Minister. Condolences also to the Cox family. I know their son pretty well. Mr. Speaker, I would like to start by laying a foundation why this stimulus would make such a difference for my area, ED7. Mr. Speaker, it starts with the starting of the Strand Resort in Discovery Bay, which led to the paving of the Discovery Bay Road. And I would like you to know, Mr. Speaker, that it's just about completed. Blacktop is beautiful. Mr. Speaker, adding to that, in Q-Town, the garbage is being cleaned, derelict vehicles are being moved, the open, opening of the new farmer's market was a great success over the weekend, Mr. Speaker, and this $1,000 stimulus package today, Mr. Speaker, it's God sent for a lot of people in the Q-Town area, most especially. They are happy and pleased with the work of this government, and they want you and this honorable house to know that, Mr. Speaker. We in Q-Town in 87, Mr. Speaker, are happy with this government, pleased with this government, and we would like them to continue and supporting the people in the manner in which they are doing it. Total satisfaction, Mr. Speaker. We cannot ask for more right now. So, Mr. Speaker, with that, I want you to know that ED7 completely supports this, and I support this along with my people. Mr. Speaker, thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Member, for your contribution. Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? Are there any further contributions? There will be no further contributions. I'll call on the Honorable Deputy Premier and Minister of Finance, Investment and Trade to wrap up the debate and to commit the bill to the Committee of Supply. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, 
I'd like to thank my honorable uh, colleagues in this house for debating the bill, assuming that the, um, for those who didn't speak, that they were giving their full support to the bill. As a matter of fact, I would say that they feel that it's actually perfect and there are no edits or anything that needs to be made to it. And just for those who are listening, they're wondering, because the camera is cameras actually zoomed in on me, Mr. Speaker, and they probably don't realize who didn't speak, but specifically the, uh, the lead of the opposition. I want to say that silence is golden. Thank you. You know that. Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Speaker, um, so again, I want to thank my colleagues for uh, giving their support to the bill, even those who gave their support and kind of waffle on it a bit. I want to address a few things, uh, particularly the, uh, the opposition's appointed member who, um, who spoke on behalf of his, uh, on behalf of the opposition. Um, one of the things he said is that there's no continuous plans to address the inflation. And I think this is something that a few people in the public have actually said. Um, but I want to point out that the stimulus isn't, and it was never meant to be a silver bullet. You know, we never thought that this was going to be the cure, the cure for all ills. And some of my colleagues have touched on all of the things that we've done. I mean, we, we, um, the, Opposition appointed member talked about taking a portion of the stimulus and putting it to the MSME. And the uh, government appointed member touched on the fact that we have given out, uh, we've approved more MSME grants than ever in the history of the Turks and Caicos. And the only thing that I was disappointed by is that the number that Invest TCI gave me was less than the total number. It wasn't actually 30 some, it was 44. Uh, applications that got approved in the last financial year, we're on a track to best that, and we're still not using up all of the money. So that, that was one program. The other program that we, uh, the Honorable Minister of Health talked about it, we removed, we've actually put a moratorium on um, construction uh, business licenses for foreigners. So only Turks and Caicos Islanders can, can benefit in that category. And we can go on and on. The Minister of Education is allowing all students to go to the community college for free. So if you're a parent and you're paying for that, you don't have to pay for that. And so we're just ticking the boxes one by one by one by one. And then they come in and say, well, they act as if they're tuned that and think that this stimulus is supposed to be a silver bullet. Not a silver bullet. It's one of the bullets in our arsenal. Is one of the bullets now are done that we're firing towards this inflation. We're going to, as I said before. If we fail, we're going to fail trying. But I'm certain, I'm confident that while we don't have the levers like the United States to be able to pull and address inflation and change the rates and monetary policy, we have enough to be able to cushion it, cushion the impact of inflation on the residents of the Turks and Caicos Islands, and that's what we will do. And that's what, why we're here today, and that's what we are doing. He said that he, um, fuel prices is driving inflation. Of course fuel prices are driving inflation. I said it, I said it during my speech. And I'm glad that you were, you were paying attention. It's, but it's one of the issues. It's one of the issues driving up the, uh, the price, uh, the price uh, driving up inflation and driving up prices. Driving up prices at the pump, driving up prices at the, the 
point of sales in the supermarket. But as the Minister of Immigration said, and I want to talk to this, because he talked about the other options. The other options are about quarters and the things that we can do with quarters. One of the options you talked about was uh, reducing the fuel tax. The Minister of Immigration rightfully said that quarters doesn't pay in the CBS. They don't. But let's just assume that they, they did, just, just to make your point. What is the difference between revenue foregone at the CPF level, where we, didn't, we don't collect the money, the difference between that and collecting the money and giving it back to the people? What is the difference? There's zero net difference. So while it may be an automated an option, another option, it's, it's we're still giving the people the benefit. And as the Honorable Minister of Immigration rightfully pointed out, we can be very creative and giving people help, but there's nothing better than giving them the money in their hands and say, use it as you see fit. So you get $1,000, and if you feel that you want to use a portion for, for your utility bill, if you want to use a portion for food, if you want to use a portion for school supplies, if you want to use a portion for paying for uh, your babysitter, that's the best way to do it. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to look at any other ways, but certainly it's not a bad thing to give someone the cash in their hand and let them see use it the best way that they think that they need to use. Um, so he said it simply hasn't begun to address the issue. Uh, that's not certainly not what I'm hearing on the street. The Minister of Immigration took my, took my line, um, but I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat with the, um, the opposition member said, the opposition appointed member. The solution isn't to wait for the, for the two years for the PDM to be elected to do it. That's, not, that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly not the solution. Because two years ago, you had the opportunity to do it, and you did. So, so I don't know what's going to change in two years uh, coming versus two years in the past. Your racket speaks for itself. Um, I've already addressed the portion. The chair recognizes the Honorable Leader's opposition. Yes, uh, the Honorable Minister of Finance posed the question of what to change. Should I answer him? Or, um, please what? state your point of order. Uh, point of uh, elucidation to make something clear. He asked what will change. And I don't know if you want me to tell him what will change in two years. Well, it's up to it's really If it's a point of elucidation, it's up to the honourable minister on whether or not he wants to hear it. Taking a taking a page out of the minister of immigration book, there's a new chef in town. Honourable deputy premier, please please proceed with your wrapping up. You, you know, as you know that I. I, I, I I, I had to, to give you the opportunity. Anyway, I addressed the portion of, um, of where we said that you could take a portion of it and, and use it for the MSME and increase it. I, I want the public to know that. We did increase the MSME grant. Um, the Honorable Minister of uh, Health talked about it. We have, we've already brought a bill to, uh, well, we already brought a paper to Cabinet. Cabinet's already approved it. Well, we've extended the categories. We've extended the amounts. Uh, we expect that that will come through and be, uh, be actually passed, come into effect before September, by the latest of September. But the truth of the matter is that the, 
the MSME uh, companies aren't drawing down on the grants, uh, drawing fully down on the grants. And there's, there's no need to add five more million dollars to it if they're not drawing down on what we have right now. Uh, but it would make it easier for them. And, and as the Premier said, if we run on it, we'd make more money available for them. Uh, that's what our government does. But I want you to know that we have made it easier for them. I think you will be excited by the new categories. We've extended the categories and we've extended the amount. So um, we're actually looking at that. The governor's appointed member number one asked if it is uh, possible to look at uh, direct deposits into civil servants' accounts. I don't want to speak in and commit to it, but I certainly will go ask the question and then see if it is possible because I don't know all of the processes. I don't know all of the processes, so I don't want to commit to it, and then I'm, being, I'm told that, that there's a reason for us not being able to do it. So we certainly will certainly uh, look at it, and I will ask the question on, on their behalf. So, uh, Mr. Speaker, like I said, everyone touched on it. Uh, this is needed. And the quicker we get through it, uh, the quicker the people will get the checks in their hands. Uh, certainly our government has removed all of the hurdles to, uh, to getting them those checks. So, so, Mr. Speaker, uh, with that, I move pursuant to Standing Order 107 that the bill, along with the estimates of revenue and expenditure, be referred to the Committee of Supply. Second. Do I have a second? Second. Honorable members, motion moved by the Honorable Deputy Premier, seconded by the Honorable Minister for PPID, that the bill entitled Supplementary Appropriation 2022-2023 Bill Number 3-2022 be committed to the Committee of Supply. All in favor say aye. All to the contrary, no? Aye. Uh, ayes have it. Honorable members, we are now at the one o'clock hour. This Honorable House is hereby suspended until 2 p.m.